All right, and we are live again. We are back once again. We took a week off, but we came back like we promised. <laughs> We're back in the building. We want to thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all could have been anywhere else in the world, but y'all choose to be. Y'all choose to visit us. Thank there y'all for are. coming. All right, I am your co-host Deontay, and I'm Shakim, and we are the Dunlaps. We're the Dunlaps. Yes, we are. Welcome back. Thank y'all for tuning in. We're going to kick this thing off in traditional fashion. We're going to start off with uh, history, what got us to where we are today. And um, we're going to kick it off in traditional fashion, my love, and let you start off with the social injustice today in history. Okay. Thank you, babe. And so today's, um, t- so what we're going to do is two today. I'm going to do yesterday's and today. And these are all brought to us courtesy of the Equal Justice Initiative. And we are not sponsored by this organization, but we really dig what they do. And so I love to bring to you each week at least one or two facts from their equal justice um, calendar. And so yesterday's fact is from Texas. So this was why I chose to present it today. January, um, June, what month? I'm talking about January. Gather yourself, (laughs) ma'am. Gather yourself. Okay. June 5th which is yesterday, 1910, a white mob kills two black men walking home in Texas. And so um, this took place in Orange County, Texas. So on June 5th, 1910, a white mob lynched Douglas Lemon and Rankin Moore, two black men, as they were walking home from a community festival in Orange County, Texas. In the days leading up to the lynchings, white mobs targeted and terrorized the black community in Orange County, furious that a jury had recently failed to convict a black man named Jack White of killing a white man. In addition to lynching Mr. Lemon and Mr. Moore, the white mob shot into the black district of town and fired at other black men who managed to survive. No one was ever held accountable. Mr. Moore was walking home from a festival with two other black men whose names were not recorded in the newspapers when a mob of white men approached them on Orange Avenue in a section of town where many black residents lived. Without saying anything, the white mob opened fire on these three black men, hitting Mr. Moore repeatedly with bullets and killing him instantly. Several white, several white men fired at his two companions, both of them who managed to momentarily escape the mob. Another black man, Mr. Lemon, later was found shot to death on a side street nearby, almost certainly another t- target of this white mob. The mob left Mr. Lemon's body in the street until the next morning. In the weeks prior, white mobs targeted and terrorized the Black community in Orange County. Newspapers reported that this violence began because a jury failed to convict a different Black man, Jack White, of killing a white man. Terroristic violence in the Black community was common during this period when white mobs used widespread, unchecked racial violence to instill fear in the entire Black community and discourage organized opposition to persuasive Jim Crow laws and other forms of racial oppression. This brutal violence was often unpredictable and arbitrary. Countless Black people like Mr. Moore and Mr. Lemon were victims of racial terror lynchings, not because they were accused of any crime, but simply because they were Black and present when the lynch mob chose to act and could not locate its intended victim. No one was ever held accountable for the lynchings of Douglas Lemon and Rankin, who were at least two of who were two of at least five documented victims of racial racial terror lynching in Orange County, Texas between 1877 and 1950. That was the first one yesterday. Well, let's go ahead and get the other one off. 
Just straight no chaser, huh? Straight no chaser. All right. Yeah. Go for uh, it. it. Yeah, because at this point, like, what can you do? What can you do? All right. So today, whew, here's another one. June 6, 1966. James Meredith shot by a white man during March Against Fear in Mississippi. On June 5, 1966, equipped with only a helmet and walking stick, James Meredith began a 220-mile march against fear in, from Memphis, Tennessee to Jackson, Mississippi. Mr. Meredith, an activist who had integrated the university in Mississippi four years earlier, organized a one-man march to encourage African-Americans in Mississippi to register to vote and to challenge the culture of fear perpetuated by white supremacists in the state. Mr. Meredith crossed the Mississippi border on the morning of June 6, 1966, accompanied by a handful of friends and supporters. State police and FBI agents monitored the march while reporters and photographers trailed behind. A few miles south of Hernando, Mississippi, Aubrey Norville, a white salesman, ambushed Mr. Meredith from the woods and shot him in the neck, head, and back. Before he started shooting, Mr. Norville warned bystanders to disperse and twice shouted out Mr. Meredith's name from the woods, but law enforcement did nothing to protect Mr. Meredith. He survived his injuries, but was unable to immediately continue the march. Enraged by the attack, civil rights leaders organized to continue the march to Jackson in Mr. Meredith's place. On June 26, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Stokely Carmichael, and Floyd McKissick were among the thousands of marchers who completed the trip after weathering harassment and physical abuse from angry mobs and law enforcement alike. Mr. Meredith rejoined the march shortly before it reached Jackson and led a rally at the state capitol. In November 1966, Aubrey Norville pleaded guilty to assault and battery and was sentenced to two years in prison. Well, I'm of the mindset at this point of looking at it like this. And, I, and I've said it before, if you don't know your history, it has the chance to happen again. If you don't highlight these things and, and we become numb and yep. don't care about them, it's easy for stuff like this to happen again. The point is not to rehash the past for the sake of rehashing the past. The point of discussing these things is so this stuff doesn't happen again. Right. Because if you don't know about it, you won't recognize the signs when it starts to happen again, because everything starts from something that snowballs into something else. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to ignore it, it can very well happen again. And when you when you have a populace that frankly doesn't care until it's on their doorstep, they won't wreck. They won't do the history to see what's actually happened before. And when you know, when you have an understanding of what can happen, you can prevent what can happen. Right. Cause if it can happen once it can happen again, if you're not careful. And so when when I think about these things and how we bring them to our audience, it's from a light of understanding. And it's, 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 it's from a perspective of empathy, but also humility. It is when you say it can never happen to me It's when it happens. 
And it shouldn't have to be on your doorstep in order for it to matter. Right. Especially when we're talking about people's lives, when we're talking about injustice against, you know, a certain subset of people. And and regardless of who it is, and if you, like I said, if you don't believe or if you don't understand that people can be cruel, that people can be bigoted and barbaric, you you would let certain things pass until it's too late. And so when I think of these things, I look at it from a perspective of, okay, my eyes are open. Mm -hmm. I understand what has happened. And and, and it's it's like they say, an ounce of prevention, right? Right. You know, equals a you know equals a ton, equals a pound of cure and when you when you see that when you see the signs you can cut it off at the pass like well that's not cool that's not okay or this seems like you know this this appears to be something familiar but again if you don't care if you, if if you're so far gone thinking that this is the past it, this 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 2023 stuff like that won't happen it, it, cuz it kills me when people say it's 2023 it's like and <laughs> just because it's, it's 2023 it's the idea that you've grown past it that leaves you vulnerable to it if you're not educated in this space or have that understanding you anything can sneak up on you so when i when i when i listen to these things it it, it just reminds me to stay sharp it reminds me to don't ignore what's obvious and and again you know like they say if you want to hide something from people put it in a book and it and it's, it's written down so it's put it's it's it's, it's, it's historical fact and so and if you don't understand his history it can repeat itself it don't have to repeat itself in the same exact play of events but it can happen at a different place at a different time to a different group of people or to the same group of people or to you know and and so again it's awareness it's understanding and, and and it's is to say, okay, this stuff has happened. And if you're and if you're not aware enough, it can happen again. And and the point is is to not repeat the same mistake, is the same mistakes, not repeat the same atrocities. That's that's the I that's the idea of evolution in my mind. That's the idea of growth and advancement in my mind. And so it's and- it, it's insane. Well, the spirit, to, to the hear spirit about of it. the age, though, the spirit of the age that uh, that caused those things is alive and well. I think people are a little bit more, um, I don't even want to say reserved. I think people are a little bit more uh, cautious about the things they say and do because social media. Right. It's public and, now. You know, they know like one thing wrong and next thing you know they're gonna be making videos talking about you about to lose your job you know what i'm saying so it's like everything is subject to the the, the court of public opinion now Uh uh-huh people have to be more cautious now when they do that stuff but 
but I but I do think though that they're the same people who took postcards of the stuff. So it's kind of like hard to like say whether or not there was any shame involved in that. Like they publicly they wanted people to know that they were participated in that stuff. But there's always, you know, this idea that about the clan that like we put these hoods on because we're more empowered to do things when we move in stealth and secrecy. But I just think sometimes I feel as if people say, well, it's 2023 because that's a form of gaslighting. Like, you know, it's 2023 and obviously we should be better in 2023 than we were in 1953, but let's be real. We're not. Right. And I do think sometimes some people say it's 2023, like, stop pulling the race card. It's 2023. And I'm like, y'all are even more empowered than your ancestors were. I don't even know how to describe it, but the insidiousness, that spirit, that demonic spirit that allowed for racism and chattel slavery and lynchings and mob violence and like literally running people out of town and stealing their property, like bombing churches with four little girls in them like that's still alive and well in this country it's very much alive and well in this country what you got for technology baby well on a different note (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick pivot to uh the technology aspect this information, this information uh, and content comes from this day in tech history. Again, we are not affiliated with these um, with, with with these businesses, with these um, with these websites, um, but we do enjoy their content and think that is really great information for educational purposes. So we are not sponsored or affiliated with, with, with these websites in any way, shape or form. Anyway. On to the information. So we're going back to the 80s. 1984 to be exact. June 6th, 1984. Alexi, I'm a, I'm pretty sure I'm fin- I'm about to butcher this brother's last name. Take your time, is- baby. Do your best. His name is Alexi Pajitinov. Pajitinov. Now, this is a obviously a Russian um gentleman, but um Patinov releases the game Tetris in the USSR. What? Tetris will become one of the most popular puzzle video games of all time. I remember I had it on Game Boy. That was that was Tetris. I, that's, that's why I got a Game Boy was to play Tetris. But anyway, originally programmed for a Soviet-built Electronica 60 computer, the game was soon ported to the IBM PC, where it spread quickly throughout Moscow and the rest of the USSR eventually making its way to Hungary. From there, the game was discovered and questionable attempts to license it for sale by various computer, by various software companies were made. By 1989, half a dozen, half, half a dozen different companies claimed rights to create and distribute Texas, uh, Texas, the Tetris software for home computers, game consoles, and handheld systems. Several highly complex and drawn-out legal battles ensued in the following years 
to settle who had the rightful licenses and authority to sell the Tetris game in the Tetris game in various formats and countries around the world. Ironically, Pajitanov himself was not able to make any money on Tetris for years because of, because as an employee of the Soviet government, the Soviet state ended up owning the rights. Mm-hmm. It was only when the rights were it was only when the rights reverted from the old Soviet government to Paj- that it was only when the rights reverted from the old Soviet government government to Pajitanov and he moved to the U.S. in 1996 that he was able to form a company and collect royalties. Then he went on to work for Microsoft trading one oppressive regime for another it was seen mm-hmm. interesting right so Tetris was born uh, we are. wow that was a that was a pretty that was some pretty complex stuff for a video game but yeah but again you know rules is rules nothing is as it seems you know nothing you is just, as it seems especially when you're the end user you don't care about all that you yeah, just you you just just playing yep. Tetris, never really Man. knew the struggles it was to get that game to you, and how many people how, and how many other organizations wanted their hands on that game. Wow! And I look, I look on, I look in the App Store and all of the different Tetris derivatives that are out there today. That game set mm-hmm. the stage for puzzle games for a very long time. It set the standard. So it's still one of my favorite Dang. games. I won't. Lie. I remember playing it on the Game Boy. Yep, that was that's why I got a Game Boy because I wanted to play Tetris. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, one more, one more. Let's go. All right, so last one. Uh, this one was in. We're getting going into the two thousands. June sixth in the two thousands. <laughs> June sixth, two thousand five. Mac the Mac gets Intel inside. In a keynote address at Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, Steve Jobs announces that Macintosh computers would transition from PowerPC to Intel processors and demonstrates Mac OS running on a computer with an Intel Pentium 4 processor. Jobs revealed at the time that Apple had been secretly preparing for a possible transition to Intel for many years. Unbeknownst to the public, for every Mac OS X released, Apple actually had prepared a running uh, had prepared a version running on an Intel processor. By making the transition to Intel, Apple paved the way for the resurgence of the Macintosh computer by making it more compatible with software from Microsoft Windows. Hmm. And the Mac gets Intel inside so they can yeah. so they can spread their consumer markets. That's crazy. I'm looking at my computer right now. Talking about Intel Core. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So that's that's today in technology history. So those are both huge. Yep. Absolutely. You gotta find uh, us a way to play Tetris. I got. I think I got. I think I have a version of Tetris on my um on my PlayStation. I would like that. I would like that very much. I think it's um I think I, I got it on one of one of my PlayStations. I, I can't remember which one, but I think I I'm pretty sure I have a copy of the game. Wow. Okay. You oh, had stuff today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we always come up with some good jewels to drop. Yeah. Some, you know, reminders of, you know, <laughs> where we come from to where we are. That's it. You know, that's that's the whole point, right? If you don't know your history, 
you know, you're doing the repeated, you know, or you, you or you're doing to miss out on it, you know, That's depending it. on how you go at it. The bad stuff seems to repeat itself. The good stuff seems to get overlooked. <laughs> if you don't know your history, you know, if you don't know what you're capable That's of, so either good, good or you're bad, right. you know, the good, like I said, the good stuff gets overlooked. The bad stuff seems to just always find its way back, but the good stuff seems to get forgotten about. So, you know, so, yeah, but, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to, you know, put some of this good stuff on repeat and, and get some of this bad stuff out of rotation. That's the game you know, we plan. We talk a lot about, you know, we watch a lot of shows where it has like the ancient stuff. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about how they probably weren't like anything like we thought they were. Of course. They probably were so technologically advanced. They could have been, they could have been kind of like how we are today. But there's something about humanity that makes it want to ruin itself. And like, I feel like we are going back, digging up stuff and just assuming that they were stupid like oh my gosh they were hunter gatherers like maybe they were like us or they were primitive or somehow and yeah and like maybe we're maybe we're going to be looked at as primitive one day like once we finish destroying everything right they'll come in and and, and look at our skyscrapers and they'll be like what do they call it the ziggurats mm-hmm. that we I, looked it, at for babylonian but I, I but i also think there's an arrogance of modern scientists and historians mm-hmm. to to believe that those who came before somehow knew less than us yes and it's like really <laughs> you know, to believe that you know this is the height of human technology it's so arrogant mm-hmm. you know to, right. to to believe that you know they, they, they it was all primitive this it's like well you didn't really i, I don't think you really if you weren't there, you can't, it looks primitive because maybe it's, you don't know how to turn it on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you don't know where the power buttons at. Maybe yeah. you don't like maybe the pyramids do fly. You just right. haven't figured it out yet. Maybe you don't figure, maybe you haven't figured out how they actually use it and you going off of your limited understanding, you know. Um, and so it, it's always interesting, you know, to to listen to, again, you know, modern historians and scientists and, and theorists who, you know, who come up with these ideas. Of, you know, we come, you know, we, we, we're, we're the advanced version of primitive people. And it's right. like, yeah. Hmm. But but at the same time, I'm sure that they thought that their ancestors were primitive, just like in a thousand years. The, those who come after us are going to look at us like we cave people. Mm hmm. You I mean, know, shoot, each generation thinks the one before it was done. And it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's accelerating at an incredible pace. Yep. You know, so it's it's always interesting, you know, it, it's always the current generation that thinks that they know more than the previous generation. And on some level, they on some level you can say that, but when you are talking about generations, you're talking about generations beyond where there's there's been a few resets. And to believe that, you know, past this reset that, you know, that they weren't at that they weren't at the height of their technological advances before right. whatever reset happened, you know, and, you know, but again, pe- most a lot of people don't even understand that there's resets that actually happen in history. Exactly. And that, that's how things that's how we end up working from square one. And we, and we have people using we have people, you know, inheriting technology that they don't really know how to use. And they mm-hmm. assume that it's primitive. Because I think so that, we will have another Ice Age and Stone Age and Bronze Age and all that kind of stuff. If we keep tearing this place up, we could torch the sky and make it go ice cold again, you know? Or a big rock could drop in. Exactly. <laughs> according, uh, according to, you know, to, to some historical 
um, documents, you know. Which but, is some other documents, some things fail, some beings fail. That's so, a topic for another day. Depending on what you subscribe to or subscribe to. Some people want to be it. Some people want to read about it. Anyway. All right. What is the topic of the night, my love? Glad you asked. All right. So you're my favorite fighter. Look at you. Look at you. I love you. And I love that about you. For those who are listening to the podcast, he was punching. Doing his little shadow boxing thing he does. <laughs> At one point in time, that's all I did was just. Oh, and you still do all around the house. Just every time you get a free minute, you could be walking to the fridge and just start shadow boxing. You gotta, you gotta stay loose. You gotta be ready. You you never know where you gotta where you gotta throw them hammers. You know. Yeah. I gotta be. I gotta be quick because speed speed is the is the killer. So I gotta be pop 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 pop. pop you know. <laughs> you gotta be ready. You know. Be so you gotta practice. I respect that. So tonight, you know, we, we tonight's episode is called Fight Club. We're talking about, you know, how do you know when something's worth fighting for and when it's time to walk away, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some things will always be worth fighting for, no matter what. Some things will always be worth fighting for. Like your children, you don't give up on your children, right? Like you might have to figure out a new way to fight, but you don't give up on your children. That's just not something that you give up on. I feel like if you married the right person, you don't give up on that. Now, the problem is we pick the wrong people and try to pretend like if we fight hard enough, we'll make them the right people. That's a whole nother show, okay? But there's an art to knowing the difference, right? So in a world filled with distractions and uncertainty, it's easy to lose sight of what actually matters. So tonight we're just going to talk about how to keep that flame going within you and those of you who have read Cormac McCarthy's novel, The Road, the characters talk about having a fire within, right? Having a fire within. And the they would ask each, the, the little boy would ask people, are you, you carrying the fire? Because his daddy told him to keep his fire burning within, right? And it's that, that thing that compels you to go forward, to fight in spite of all adversity, right? Like they were living in a po- post-apocalyptic world where they saw death and dying and starvation and you know they had to boil water just to drink it and just all kinds of stuff like that and the dad told the boy like you'll be fine if as long as you keep your fire and so that's what tonight is about helping you to first of all reminding you that you do have that fire inside you and helping to ignite your passion and empowering you to fight for what you believe in whatever that is right and so tonight we're going to challenge you and ourselves to stop majoring on the minors and stay focused Okay, we're we believe that together we can't lose, right? That's why we're in it together. Absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, when you when you talk about that fire, it's you know the the, the it's it's really about your why. Yep. What what what's your reasons? And and a lot of times we fall on sometimes circumstantial reasons we don't mm-hmm. we don't lean into the 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 reasons that that propel us forward and, and keep us going you know we we have fires in the event of we have the fire oh, when, when when this happens then i'll be charged up and ready to go or i'm charged up only when this happens and 
the truth is, is you have to have a compelling why, a why behind your why. It has to be that fuel that keeps that fire going, that kerosene and the oxygen that just keeps that fire burning and burning and burning. That's really and, 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 and sometimes that's hard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's hard. And, and, and when it's, and, and like you said, when you, when you, when things are bleak, a lot of times you have to go back to why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Like, what is, what is my reason? And if, and if you don't have a reason, you need to reassess. Or if your reason, or if you, your reason is a goal, you know, goals are great, but they're not a really good why. That's not it. Yeah. A goal is a destination. Mm -hmm. And the thing about destination, it means you stop somewhere. And once you get there, it's like, then what? And that's why we're never happy when we get there. Right. Right. Like you tell yourself, I'll be happy when my kids grow up or I'll be happy when, you know, when they're babies, you'll be happy when they can start talking so they can tell you what's wrong instead of crying. Right. When they start talking and you're like, you know, well, when they're, they're crawling, you'll be like, oh, I'll be happy when they start walking so they can start bumping into everything. You know, like it's all, you always have these like circumstances self-imposed milestones right yeah. like well when this happens or like oh i'll be happy when my hair grow out or you know going through if you're growing locks or something you'll be like, i'll be happy when i get through this ugly phase or whatever it is you know it, there's always something there's always right. something i'll be happy when i pay my car off and then when you pay your car off like nine times out of ten if you're like me you get another one before you can pay it off like there's always something and and we're always putting ourselves i don't know it's almost like we don't know how to even be focused unless we get kind of like self-imposed opponent. Yeah. Sometimes the opponent resistance. is ourselves. Yeah. That, so that like, resistance. Talk, what do you think about that? Because you're pretty good at discipline. So what do you think about that? Sometimes the best teachers come in the form of opposition. Okay. And it's when we get complacent and that's the danger of comfort when you when you're in a comfortable space and you just kind of like just moving along and you don't really you know realize what's going on until something shakes you and you're like oh i gotta either move i either gotta to 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 do something to get off the pot what what you know what what do i do here and sometimes it can be a it can be um it can be a bleak situation and if your why is temporary if your why is circumstantial when you face that challenge mm-hmm. you're stuck at that challenge now you now your next why is to get past that challenge which again is going to be short lived mm-hmm. and and a lot of times uh, you know people need a opponent to be invigorated and they need a mountain to climb some people just that's just some people are wired like that some people are just naturally motivated some people just they they just they just want to continuously do whatever they're doing for whatever their why is but some people don't have that time tested why they don't have that why that's about a state of being they have a they are they are sequential you know, I'm going to get here. I want to get here. I want to get here. I want to get here. And some of us are further. Some of us think 
long term where they say, okay, I'm going to get this. And after I get this and I'm going to get this and they, and that's their why is to climb through these sequences is to go through these steps. This is their steps to fulfillment. Then you have some people who don't know their why until they get there. You know, you'd have some people who don't know their next step until they get stuck and they get, they have to face that opponent. Um, and so the truth is, is I, I think we, I think comfort and complacency is what makes that challenger arise. Because I think change is the constant in the universe. And when you're complacent, you're not anticipating change. When you're comfortable, you're not anticipating something um, not being different as it was once before. And so I think that that's what provokes the challenger. I think that's where it provokes the, the opposition that gets a lot of people going. Because a lot of people don't move unless they have to. Okay. And that's just true. We, we crave stability. Mm-hmm. We've been conditioned to believe that stability is the goal. And the universe isn't designed that way. The universe isn't designed that way. And you, you can look at it down to, you can look at it from an economical standpoint. You can look at it from a societal standpoint. You can look at it from any standpoint you have. There's always a resistance to change is because we're, we're comfortable in a certain paradigm. And when that challenger comes to chant, to, to, you know, to bring new light, a new paradigm, then you have that resistance. And now everybody that was, you know, the people, those who were stuck in one paradigm or another are now, now they're, they're, they're standing up and, and amping up to get ready to fight back what they feel is is imposing on them so that that's my i know that was a a pretty roundabout way to to to, to describe that but that's that's my thing and i think i think it's 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 our it's in a lot of our nature and complacency i think often brings out the challenger that forces you to shake off complacency or get run over and, and and I just think about it from a spiritual context. You're exactly right. Because I think that, you know, we pray for God to remove the adversities, right? We pray for God to make it smooth sailing. But if it was smooth sailing, you would never pray. Mm-mm. Like you only pray sometimes because life is so hard, you know, you can't handle it on your own. And so like, even though, you know, we, we know that God is a loving God and he would rather we do the right thing. Human nature is to do the wrong thing, to be honest with you. And so human nature is to forget or take take for granted the people who are always there for you. And we know that God is, right? And so if he, if God didn't allow the adversity, right? And everybody believes in something different. To some people, God is a woman. I have no problem with God being a father because I have a wonderful earthly father. So it doesn't, I have no problem, right? Um, And so for me, just knowing that part of God loving me totally and fully is to allow adversity, to stretch me, to grow me, to shape me and mold me into the highest form of myself. Um, Because I wouldn't do it on my own. 
I'm just saying, I'm just being honest. Like if left to my own devices, I would not choose to be persecuted. I wouldn't choose to be hurt. I wouldn't choose to have to forgive people. I, I would I would choose that nobody would mess with me, you know? But it's only in the adverse times that I become more like him. And so that is really the most loving thing God can do is to allow adversity to come and shake the nest, right? The eagle shakes the nest. Um, and so I think you're absolutely right about we need an opponent. We need something. Mm -hmm. Iron sharpens iron, right? Sandpaper smooths out the rough spaces. And, and that's that's how kind of like adversity functions in our lives, I guess. You know, I was... Um... You know, you you mentioned something that kind of sh kind of shook a uh, thought. It reminded me of a conversation I was having with one of my colleagues today, and I was talking about how much I missed fighting, how much I missed competing, not for the sake of violence, but for the sake of learning to be learning to be comfortable in discomfort, learning to you know getting comfortable being. You know, like you talk about with that opponent, right? And it's 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 when you're under immense pressure is when you're often reminded of your why. Why am I doing this? And if your why isn't compelling enough, you're going to get demolished by that opponent. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, as a young fighter, you know, reminding myself before every asking myself before every fight during training camp. I'm doing all this work. I'm, you know, I'm getting battered and black eyes and busted noses and, and I'm, you know, going through all of this, you know, all of this stuff to get ready to fight one person. And I'll often ask myself, like when I would be tired and I don't want to train, you know, I just got off work. I've been up since five o'clock in the morning. I just, you know, worked, the, worked a nine hour shift. And now I got to go train for four hours. Why am I doing this? And I remember my, and I remember my why, like I'm doing this because I want to be stronger. I'm doing this because this is what I love to do. I'm doing this because this is what makes me who I am. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm finding myself in the ring. I'm finding myself every single fight. And I was more interested in, in finding who I was, you know, finding out who I was at the time than anything else and that's what propelled me forward was to was to see a better version of myself to see my to 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 rise to the occasion and 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 do my best that was that, that was always my goal to just do you know test my limits and do my best and that was and that's what kept me going i just want to do my best i enjoy giving my all to something and um, that's why I kept doing it, because this is, you know, and, and I knew it was making me a better person. I knew it was making me a better. Um, uh, 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 I had learned so much about myself and about life through fighting that I was I was a, a, addicted to not just the fight, but the the, the, the the what you get after all of that work, what you're left with. You know, win, lose or draw, you always gain something. That's good. And um, and I and and I. And I love that, you know, um, I really thrived in that. And, and so, and, and I think a lot of people are trained to not like adversity. They think adversity is bad. Adversity is what breaks you. When it's the exact or that opposite. you did something or that adversity came because you messed up, right? Like if I had just done everything right, then adversity wouldn't have come. Right. 
And they think adversity is there to break you when mm -hmm. in actuality, it's not. It's there to build you. It's there to help you face this circumstance so you're better for the next circumstance. Yeah. And there's always and there's always a uh, what I'll call uh, a plateau. Where you get to a level and you're a plateau and you and, and the mistake you make is when you think that this is the way it's going to be. Once you hit that plateau, like, oh, yeah, I, I, I made it this far. I made I met this goal. This is how it's going to be. And then you that's where complacency sets in mm -hmm. until that challenge come where you have to rise. You have to either step up or you're going to hit that wall. And then it becomes up to you. It's like, okay, why am I doing this again? Why am I here? Why am I, you know, why am I, why am I facing this challenge? And it's, and it's like you said, it's not because you did anything wrong or you failed. It's because you're on a path. Yeah. And you have to remember why you chose to walk the path you walked. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that that's what, compels the fight that's that's what we that's what ignites that passion remembering what you believe remembering your belief remembering what you believe in what matters to you and that's what keeps you going that's what keeps you pushing that's what keeps you that's what builds your discipline to keep doing it do what you hate like you love it that's good like what my dad i got that i heard mike tyson say that that's where that's where his definite that's where he defined his discipline, doing what you hate like you love it. And um and 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 remaining focused. And that's a tough thing to do. Yes, it is. That's yes, a very is. hard thing to do. I think I I think I look at education come like how you look at fighting. Like I'm like, when I finish this degree, I'm done. You know, when, when I when I achieve this, I'm done. And then I'm always looking for when I get close to the end of it, I'm like, now what I'm gonna do next? because I love learning. I love learning. Like I, I love teaching because I love being a student. I, I, I always want to learn more, grow, you know, academically. I find out new things about myself with each academic challenge I face. And I'm like, you know, most people are like, when I'm done with this, I don't ever want to see school again. And I'm like, what else can I learn? <laughs> what other degree can I get? Like, maybe I should just reinvent myself and start all over. Like, I think I'm, to me, that's what education represents like how you feel about fighting and I feel like you feel the same thing about education too because I watch you grow and I watch you shift and pivot in your professional life and I watch you challenge yourself and say I perceive this is what's coming next and so I'm going to start preparing for it and you're just you know we're always reading books and we read a book swap it out sometimes with each other and I, I just love growing with you and I, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this partnership that we're always challenging each other um, because we're both people who like to grow and being around each other is to me, that's one of the best things that's ever happened for me. You know, and you, you mentioned something about that, you know, inspired a thought and my why is my why is simple is to always be the best me possible. And that's and, and and in my mind, what that tells me is that whatever comes in front of me, I'm going to be the person I need to be to manage this, to overcome this, to deal with this, to make this better. 
And that's my why. It's not to, and, and, and what that allows me to do is whatever circumstance I'm put in, I can, the goal is to be the best version of me, regardless of what's happening around me. And if I'm the best version of me, I can help this situation. I can help. I can, I can manage the circumstance. I can, you know, I can manage, I can work it out and get through on the other side better for it. Because it's in the in the, it's it's not the world and me, it's me and the world and whatever circumstance that's brought to me. Cause sometimes it's not in my control. That's it. And instead of throwing my hands up and saying, oh, you know, I'm like, okay, who do I need to be? What do I need to learn? What do I need to change in order to be the best version of me to get through this, to make the best of this, to solve this? Or to remove this from my path mm-hmm. or the or, or whatever my party is in the situation and removing it from my path may result in moving it from removing it from other people's path. Because being the best version of me allows me to be the best version of me for everybody that's involved. That's good. Because that's my that's that's my goal. If because if I'm being the best version of me, then I get to give that best version of me to everybody else that's involved. Because I know it's not just about me, but if I'm the best me that I can be, then I can give my best to the situation and anybody that's involved in it. And that way, everybody benefits to the best of my ability. I did my best. And that's all I want. And so that's why that's how I go into anything is. I want to be the best version of me, regardless of what the situation calls me to be, because I ain't in control. God is in control. and so. I'm always there to pivot when God asks me to pivot. When God need me to be somebody, need to be, need me to grow. Okay. I get to studying. I get to, I get to looking around. I get to learning. And like you said, when you become, and when you make it about becoming that best version of yourself, that constant student, that constant learner, you know, cause some of the best masters are the, are the best students yeah. because they understand that the path to mastery is learning. There's no to think that you get to a certain point where you stop learning is really short sighted. And when you're when you're a constant learner, you're a constant grower. And when you're a constant grower, you're ever evolving. And I think, you know, getting back to the main topic, that's that's what you fight for is. That thing that keeps you going, that 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 thing that fires you up and that's how you keep moving forward. That's how you step out of the minors and move into the majors because you can't be a pro without going through the minors first, but you got to learn everything you need to know in that minor to get to the majors and with every new level is a new minor. I love that. And I think, you know, one of the, of what I want to do now was just, you know, talk about some of the strategies you can use to decide whether it's worth fighting for or whether walking away is the best thing to do. And I think people who want to be their very best self, um, sometimes one of the struggles in that is that we see a challenge as something that we can't overcome. Mm -hmm. Right. So we give it our all because we're like, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to defeat this. It's not going to conquer me. And sometimes it's not even your fight. Like sometimes you have to realize that your talents are best served elsewhere, right? Yep. And that 
yes, that thing will not defeat you because you're supposed to walk away from it, not because you're supposed to just sit there and fight and fight and fight until you pass out. Right. You're when you when you do that, it means something else that is for you is left waiting on you. That energy that you exhaust in the wrong relationship, that energy that you exhaust in the wrong job is going to tire you out and it's going to delay you. It's not going to just stop you, but it's going to delay you, right? And so um, the first thing is to assess the significance of the thing, right? So like, is it important in the grand scheme of your life? Is it going to matter five years from now? Is it ultimately helping you become the person you want to be? Like, what's the long-term impact this thing is going to have? on your happiness, your values, and your goals. Where does it matter? Does it even matter? Right. How much does it matter? Will it matter? Right. Um, And then the next thing you got to evaluate your motivation. This is where I'm guilty. Sometimes I do stuff just to prove people wrong. If you tell me I'm wrong, I'm like, oh, okay. But now I've learned like, you know what? I might be next. (laughs) You know, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. The older I get, the more I realize I don't have to prove anything to anybody. So is if I'm not fighting for like a particular cause or a goal, or if it's not driven by my personal values or my genuine desire for a positive change, I don't even care. I don't have time to let my ego have me in battles where I don't belong. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it and took it's, me a long time to figure that out. And and again, it's 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 going back to that that three letter word why. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that why could be temporary. You know, sometimes you know you might be dealing with a temporary situation that you have to get through get from you know through the through the duration of that situation and so again you know you know like you say you know sometimes you do it just to be you know um or sometimes you do it for a more elaborate reason you know but evaluating your motivation is a that's a very good point is reassessing your purpose reassessing why you're doing it checking yourself yep check yourself Yes, before you break yourself. Mm-hmm. The third one is to weigh the pros and cons. So we, t- we teach kids to do this when they're writing persuasive essays. Make a T-chart, right? Put your pros on one side, put your cons on the other. And you got to know what the potential benefits and drawbacks are. What's your what's your opportunity cost, right? Can I afford to, to pay this opportunity cost? The Bible talks about who builds a house with our first calculated cost. Like, why would you set out on a, on a trail to do something? And you ain't even think about what it's going to cost you financially, what's going to cost you physically, what it's going to take away from the other people you love. Like, you got to consider that thing. And the next thing is to think about the timing and the feasibility. What's the practicality? of you actually succeeding, right? Is it the right time? Like maybe it is the right endeavor, but is it the right time in your life? Is it conducive to success? Would it be more appropriate to wait for a better opportunity? So you gotta be realistic about the resources you have available, the support team you have available and the energy you can allocate to the fight. I could not have made it through my doctoral program without you. This time was the right time for me. I have the right support team. I have the resources. Like, even though it has been, I would say sometimes challenging, not paying that hasn't been challenging. I have had challenges, you know, but it, but, but God has provided and it has been okay, you know? Um, And then the next thing is to seek different perspectives. Always, always, always have open and honest conversations with people you trust you know, friends, family, mentors. I, I talk about everything with you. I have to. Um, because you you're gonna be objective. You're always gonna tell me what you see, like you're gonna cover my blind spots. 
but you always give me you know alternative viewpoints that help me gain clarity you are my sage and then trust your intuition it doesn't lie sometimes we ignore our gut and we call it fear or whatever but sometimes deep down inside, you already know the answer. And again, people like us who are, we want to overcome fear and adversity. Sometimes your gut is telling you don't go that way. And you take it as, I'm not going to be intimidated by that. I'm not going to be afraid. When really your intuition was saying, fool, don't go that way. And before you move to the next one, I want to go back to where you, the, the, I want to take a step back to the different okay. perspectives. Now, one of the, concepts that i've been exploring a lot and really found a lot of truth in and i've had a lot of um gentlemen a lot a lot of gentlemen you know who kind of in the is in it, that are in the seeking space mm -hmm. you know confirm it and you cannot be your own counsel that's good you cannot rely on your own thoughts because your own thoughts is going to validate what you think that's it it's a it's a it's a uh built-in bias and, and and now unless you're just you might be one of those people who uh, have trained yourself to be to challenge your own thoughts i'm not saying it's impossible i'm just saying it's probable um there are people who who can challenge their own thoughts who can be their own counsel but it's the likelihood is slim to none and it's always good to get a different perspective because you a picture can never see itself a picture can never truly critique itself and see where it might need some work. So always seek a different perspective. Seek someone who sees something. Try to see something that you don't see. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, elaborate on that a little bit. Thank you, baby, because that's important. Um, the next one is consider the long-term consequences. That's a big one. So what are the potential regrets or resentment you might feel if you choose not to fight for something that really matters for you? Like when you give up on something, my dad always says quitting is contagious. Mm -hmm. Once you start to quit and make excuses for yourself, you will always do that. That's, right? that's, that is it's so insidious. Yes. Like sometimes you owe it to yourself just to see how it's going to turn out. Right. And I always just think about that when, when I'm going through something, my dad saying that quitted is contagious. So weigh the impact of letting go against the potential fulfillment of pursuing it. Um, and then the last thing is just to be flexible, right? Recognize that circumstances and parties going to change over time. Give yourself permission to reassess and reevaluate your choices as you gain new information. So like, even if you have to change midstream, don't just finish it because you spent a whole bunch of time on it like if if you learn something new then use that new information reassess recalibrate do whatever you got to do it's okay to adjust your course if it aligns better with your personal growth and well-being because all these things are ultimately working together for your good right romans 8 28 yep. and so like as you know better then you do better mm -hmm. but i have found myself in relationships on jobs all kinds of situations where i felt like one minute now i devoted so much time and energy or i you know spent so much resources or whatever but mm -hmm. at this stage in my life get somebody else to do it. yep and that's and that's hard you know and that sometimes that's that's one of the that's one of the more challenging aspects is knowing when to change knowing when to be you know um when to when to make a shift sometimes yep. you know some sometimes that's difficult and sometimes and letting go is hard too 
you know, change is change is difficult. We talked about that in a previous show about yeah. how difficult changing and 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 readdressing things can be sometimes. So, but just you know, just know y'all that it's it's such a personal thing, and it depends on unique circumstances, your values, and your goals. But like, if you follow those steps, I think it will help you. I, I think it will help you. Um, make sure you gather the right information take some time to reflect like what do you really want who do you really want to be and if you haven't develop your universal why yeah you got to have a why that's that the why behind all of your why's you got to have a thought behind the what they i read in the book is uh it's the thought behind the thought the sponsoring thought what kicked off that thought you know what, what 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 why what is your sponsoring why what is the why that drives all of your other reasons and let that be where it prepares you forward. That way you can branch off from that one why and make it and almost grow it like a tree. Mm-hmm. You know, let that yeah. one, let that one, that that universal why, that sponsoring why be the root to all your causes. And that. move from that. I love that. I love that. It's, it reminds me of um, there's something that we do with like research, right? Where you have a, a lot of different types of methodology you can use. You have a lot of different things that you care about, but you have to determine like, what's your wheelhouse? Mm-hmm. What are you going to specialize in? Or like, what are some, some methodologies that you're going to specialize in? Because you could be a jack of all trades and a master of none kind of thing. And so you have to know like, okay, when these opportunities arise, yes, I can do all these things, but like, what is my particular wheelhouse as a researcher? Mm-hmm. I got about five things that I'm willing to focus on, right? And if anything comes up for the opportunity to write or speak on those five things, then I'm your girl. Right. But if it's outside, then I know to bounce it to other people. I can still participate in it, but that's not my five things. That's not my five, my why. Right. And all of that must center around whatever that one universal thing is that I always want to focus on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I love that. I really do. You want to close this out, babe? Well, yeah, I go ahead and close us out. You know, I, I mean, I, I think that was a great, um, great way to, to to wrap it up. We hope you all enjoyed this episode of In It With The Dunlaps. We we were pretty diligently to come up with content with y'all to to expand some minds and and enrich some spirits and hopefully educate some people and maybe a little bit a little bit of entertainment some entertainment <laughs> um, help you help you get through your Tuesday night uh, where you know tomorrow's hump day so this is your the hump to your hump day so we, we hope y'all and we we hope y'all enjoy this um episode um we want y'all to keep tuning in as we continue to evolve this thing and get better and better because again our why is to make this thing better and better is to, is to educate and entertain and and bring, you know make some people smile and you know lift some spirits and you know give you what you need on some level you make but me smile i try I try. You made me smile too. Thank you. But thank y'all for tuning in. This has been another episode of In It with, your, with the Dunlaps. I am your co-host, Deontay. I'm Shakima. And we are the Dunlaps. Thank y'all for tuning in. Um, we will be back again. Same black time, same black channel. 
Facebook Live, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live. You can catch us on Spotify, wherever else you do your streaming pleasure. We'll That's be it. there in whatever measure. Um, and we'll see y'all there. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.